Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There was really no excuse, no excuse that any of the people could have offered for why they should not attend the wedding feast of the king's son. This was not the kind of thing that you were allowed to simply miss. This is not some ordinary person in your community. This is the king and his son, the prince, who one day shall be your king as well. When the announcement was given first that there was a wedding feast to be celebrated, then all of the people who received the summons should have made sure that their schedules were clear. This was not the sort of thing that was spurred on you last minute either. There would have been ample warning, ample time for you to make the necessary preparations, ample time for you to make sure that your servants or other members of your household could attend to the business while you came to the feast. There was ample time, ample warning. There was every single allowance made to give them an opportunity to prepare so that when finally the heralds came with the news that the feast was prepared, they might leave. They might put on their wedding garments. They might come to the festivities. They might give their blessings to the king, to his son, and to his bride, that they might acknowledge them, that they might rejoice with them, that they might do what was asked of them and together rejoice in this most wonderful of occasions. There were, there was ample opportunity they just didn't care. 
Whatever else snatched their attention, their home, their business, their own personal pleasures that they would have preferred to enjoy, that was truly what was in their hearts. They had no love for their king, no love for his son, and so when the time came for them to prepare, they did not care to do so. Rather, they simply sent the messengers away, if the messengers were lucky, and for many, they thought, I will show this king what I really think of him. How little I care for this summons, how little I care for his son, and I will mistreat those whom he has sent to call me. What they hoped to gain out of that, I have absolutely no idea. But this is how they responded. This is how they treated their king. This is the contempt which they showed for him and for his word. And so is it in any way surprising that the king understood this not simply as a slight against his person, not simply against an insult against his son and against his son's bride, but rather he understood it fully as an act of rebellion. It was not simple poor manners. It was not an unwillingness to give an RSVP. Rather, it was the contempt. It was the rebellion. It was the sin against this king that so provoked his anger. And no wonder then that he chose to mete out upon them the due punishment for all who rebel against the rightful sovereign. He destroyed their cities. He put them to the death. Their rebellion could not simply be tolerated much less all the, considering all the ample opportunity that was given to them to make their arrangements. No, this shameful act of contempt which they meted against him was the highest form of crime against his reign and therefore was duly met with the most severe of punishments. The connection to our Lord's ministry and to the Pharisees to whom he speaks, this is quite obvious. He says to the Jewish leaders, and indeed to all of those who have cast their lot with them, do not think yourself beyond the king's punishment. You were the friends of God. You received his oracles. God made you, O Israel, a nation of princes and priests to his name. He crowned you with great honor, though you were not worthy with worthy of it. He deigned to call you friends, not for the sake of anything which he offered you, but for the sake of his love for your fathers, his love for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his love for Moses who led you through the wilderness, his love for David the king who ruled over you, his love for all of those faithful patriarchs and prophets who stood before you. For the sake of them and for the sake of his aboundless compassion, he was willing to call you friend, to bestow upon you the greatest honors of all the nations of the world, and indeed to invite you, first and foremost, to the wedding feast of his son. The very son who that day stood before the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the people of Israel and called them to his wedding feast, to his banquet of forgiveness, 
to the bloody sacrifice on the cross wherein he would provide his own flesh for truly spiritual meat and his blood for truly spiritual drink. He would pour out himself for them on that day and transform that grim, horrid occasion into the victory feast of God. He would bestow upon them every promise which was given to their fathers in the words of Moses and the prophets. They, first of all people, were invited to participate in this, invited first to sample the goods of the feast. And they, like the many in the parable which he told, had no excuse. They had been told that this is what should happen. They had the words of Moses and the prophets for themselves. They could, at any given moment, read those words, see what God was going to do, hear the very promise in the garden of the child of woman who would crush the head of the serpent, hear the promise given to Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the earth should be blessed, hear the promise that was given to David that a son from his own loins should sit on the throne of Israel forever. Hear the words of Isaiah who promised a servant who would suffer and die and by his blood redeem all men. The servant of God who would manifest the great grace of the Lord in heaven, the Son of God made man for us, Emmanuel, God with us, God in our own flesh and blood, who by his own flesh and blood purchased for us our redemption from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Thousands of years they had had these prophecies amongst them, generation after generation who could at any moment have read over the scrolls of the book of the law, read the words of the prophet, heard them in the Saturday afternoon synagogue gatherings, and known for sure what the Lord was to do among them. And now here they have gotten perhaps the most direct warning of all. For it is not mere servants that the Lord sends anymore. The king is not simply sending another prophet, another priest, another person solely in the image and likeness of their flesh, but rather the very son whose wedding feast is to be celebrated has come among them to issue the summons personally. And still, they will not hear. Still they will not come. Still they find every reason to reject Jesus and to cast him aside. Every reason not to hear his word. Every reason not to repent. Every reason that in their mind, I'm sure, seemed valid and justified, but in the end was nothing more than an excuse. They were warned. They were told time and time again. And so then, is it any surprise that the Lord would do to them what the king did to the tenants? If you, O Israel, shall not receive the salvation which was prepared for you, then it shall be given to others. You shall be cut off. Your temple shall be destroyed. Your city shall be ransacked. You shall be scattered to the ends of the earth. But I will choose for myself a faithful remnant. I will choose for myself servants 
both Israel and Gentile, who shall serve my name. And I shall send them with you into exile to the very ends of the earth, that they may call all to this wedding feast. If you will not come, then I will call others. I will call the Gentiles. I will call the idolaters. I will call the sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes, because they will come. They will receive my words. They shall attend this feast that I have prepared for you. And maybe, just maybe in the process, you will realize where you have done wrong. And you will repent. And you will come. And if not you, then maybe your children. The call has gone out to all the world, Israel and the nations, and all of Israel and the nations who hear this call and who return to the Lord in faith, they shall be permitted entrance into his kingdom. But many are called. Many come who come not wearing the wedding garment of faith, not being clothed in the righteousness which comes by faith, not being clothed in holy garments that are suitable for the situation at hand. Many hope to simply sneak in. Many hope that so long as they're in the right place and at the right time, that they shall somehow deceive the Lord, that they shall somehow escape his notice. But as the king in the parable sees the one man who is not wearing the proper attire, so too the Lord shall see all, all hypocrites, all false Christians, all sinners who refuse to repent. The Lord's eye is not blind to them. He knows that they have attempted to sneak into this feast unprepared, and they, just as surely as those who refuse to come in the first place, shall not receive the food of the feast, shall not know the joy of the Lord. They shall be cast out into the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, because they, just as surely as those who first rejected the call, were contemptuous of the king who called them, contemptuous of the son whose wedding they celebrate, they sought simply to come in and fill their bellies with food, but had no love for those who had called them or he for whom they were called to celebrate. No, they were in it only for themselves, and the Lord will not even give them the meager meat that they seek to obtain in their unrighteousness. What then is our concern? What then is our question? It seems obvious to me that the question we should all be asking ourselves in light of these words from our Lord is, how do I be sure? How do I be sure that I am wearing this wedding garment? How do I be sure that I have that which is necessary for me to attend this feast rightly? How do I be sure that I have what is necessary for me to receive these blessings, not to shame and contempt, but to life and righteousness. And that answer to that question has two parts. If you wish to be sure, the first thing you must do is despair. Despair of yourself, despair of your powers, despair of your own righteousness. 
despair of any notion that you shall somehow get out from under the prying eye of the omnipotent God? Do you really think that you will sneak in unaware? Do you really think that you can somehow hide your sin from him? Do you really think that somehow you will strong-arm him into letting you stay? Do you think your wisdom greater than his that you should deceive him, your cunning so great that you will be able to pull the wool over his eyes and remain in, having never repented of your sins? Surely not. Surely you understand better. You understand who it is who has invited you. And you understand that you have no hope of escaping this judgment. Despair of yourself. Repent of that sin which you have done. Repent of those sins that are in your heart. Repent of those deeds that even over the years you have forgotten about. Repent of them. Despair of yourself. But second... And most importantly, take heart in this knowledge, that the Son who has invited you to this wedding has also supplied you with that very garment. Yes, it is beyond your power to attain this garment for yourselves. You cannot take the garment from someone else. There are none that are laying around for you to pilfer from the remains of those who previously were invited but who have fallen by the wayside. No, the only garment that shall be received in the king's house is the garment of righteousness which Christ himself wears and which Christ himself has given for you. The only way that you shall know for certain that this feast has been prepared for you and that your invitation shall end in your glory is to recognize the gift that it truly is, that Christ's flesh and blood was shed for you, that his words of mercy were spoken with your salvation in mind, that Jesus has given for you in your baptism that perfect spotless raiment which shall secure for you an eternal inheritance. The wedding garment is with him. And so what shall you do? Go to him. Go to where he is promised to be found. Go to your baptism daily in repentance. Daily there acknowledge your despair over your weakness, but your firm and unshakable faith in his grace. And there he shall bestow on you anew day by day the grace of those holy waters and the promise that you have been baptized into his name and have been given a seat at that table forever. Go to Jesus in his word, that there he may comfort you with the promises that it was you on his mind on that cross, that his sacrifice was offered for your sins, offered for your weaknesses and your transgressions, and hear all of his faithful promises, that no one shall snatch you from his hand, that you who have found your rest in him may there rest secure, knowing that sin, death, and devil cannot pry you from the arms of the maker of heaven and earth. Come to the Lord today. Come to his feast of bread and wine in which is found the true spiritual food and drink which is needed for our salvation, for our life of body and soul.
In this place, receiving this gift from our Lord, the confirmation of your baptism is made complete. You who have put off the old self in baptism have now taken upon the new man. Wearing the spotless garment of his perfection, then, you may receive his feast in all confidence, knowing that the forgiveness, life, and salvation won on the cross are being given to you on that bread in that cup. Come to Jesus. Come to where he may be found. Come that he may daily, richly bestow upon you the garment of salvation. He may cleanse you forever of all sin, that he may remove from you even the slightest blot of sinfulness and transgression. This is how you will be sure not because of yourself, but because of him. Because the Son desires you to be at his feast. Because the Son is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him, that all should be saved through him, that all through him should have access to his Father, that all should be rightly restored to peace with the King on account of his love and on account of his shed blood. Come to Jesus, so that you may be sure. And Jesus will make you sure. He will sustain you. He will uphold you. He will bring your needs before his Father the King by his own prayers and intercessions. He will secure for you everything which you need in this life and in the life to come. And of the abundance of his mercy, you will find pardon and remission of all your sins with him so that you may be confident, so that you may be faithful, so that you may be sure that even as you stare at your grave, that there is prepared for you another place, a seat at the heavenly banquet, one which no one shall snatch from you, one which no one can take away from you, but one which is forever secured for you by the blood of Jesus, and which all the angels of heaven shall fight to protect for you. So today, come. Come and be at peace. Be sure. Be still and know that he is your God, and that he has you in his hands forever. Amen. In the name of Jesus, our only hope in this life and the next. Amen.